For Denon, agriculture represents about two-thirds of our carbon footprint and 90% of our water footprint. So it's really where a lot of our, uh, our environmental impact is. But the thing is that, you know, it can be a problem and it can also be a solution to these challenges through regenerative practices like the ones we've been talking about by reducing tillage, by using more cover crops. Um, and so we've really embraced this model. In fact, we announced uh, that we were really focusing on regenerative agriculture um, in 2017, just after I joined Danon. Welcome to the Circular Economy podcast by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy Show podcast from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, where we develop and promote the idea of a circular economy and engage with key actors to mobilise system solutions at scale. I'm Pippa Shorty, part of the team here at the Foundation, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today we're talking about food, specifically food and farming, and how regenerative solutions can tackle climate change. We just heard from Jeanette Coombs-Leno, Danone's One Planet Advocacy Lead. We'll hear more from her later about how the company is working to ensure that the food they produce for consumers is managed regeneratively. We'll also hear from Sheena Shah, the permaculture design consultant and director at Harvesting for Good East Africa, Nicole Gobeth, general manager of Sao Paulo's Connect the Dots initiative, and the foundation's Nick Jeffries, who'll talk us through what we mean by food systems and regenerative agriculture. This podcast is based on a recent conversation we had as part of our Circular Economy Show programme. You can find a link to watch the whole show in the episode description. I'm joined today by my colleague at the Foundation, Laura franco Hanau, who'll be helping us learn more about food, farming and how they relate to climate change. Thanks for joining us, Laura. Thank you, Pippa, for this great intro. It's very exciting to be here. Great. Well, let's start by hearing from the Foundation's Nick Jeffries about what we mean by the term food system. So the food system is the mechanism by which it sort of feeds the population. And, and what it is, the food system, it's a, sort of, it's a complex web of different actors, different processes, different infrastructure that feeds places like the Isle of Wight. And the food system has sort of several stages in it. You produce the food, you farm it, uh, you harvest it, you process, you transport, retail, marketing, restaurants, and then finally, managing of the waste. So now we know what a food system is. Laura, could you tell us what that has to do with climate change? Of course, I think something that is very important to say is that our food system has a problem of design. It's working exactly how we designed it to work. And this is leading to all the detrimental environmental effects that we are seeing on the planet. Um, Agriculture, forestry and land use are responsible for about a quarter of our global greenhouse gas emissions. And we produce huge quantities of waste. About a third of of our edible food is wasted. Um, How we produce food is degrading nature. And also we are not producing healthy food and a lot of people still lack access to to food. About a quarter of our global population still is affected by moderate or severe food insecurity. Yeah, so there's clearly pro- problems with the current system. Um, so let's have a look at some of the solutions. Uh, Nick's going to come in again and tell us how farming can have a more positive impact on nature through regenerative agriculture. What I like about regenerative agriculture, and regenerative agriculture is is just essentially farming in a way that has a sort of more positive impact on nature and and health and and so on, 
is that when you start looking at regenerative agriculture, you start seeing something that not only can produce great nutritious food, but it can also be a really, really important tool to address some of like, these huge global challenges. You mentioned climate change, but biodiversity loss is also a huge, you know, is also a very, very important thing that we need to deal with. Um, but that, so, it's, so regenerative agriculture, agriculture is about a set of outcomes that we're trying to achieve, better soil health, more biodiversity, better, more infiltration of water into soils, so you have better, more resilient farming systems. And then there's a whole suite of practices that then can help achieve these outcomes. But we really should focus on outcomes rather than the practices. As Nick says, we need better soil health, more biodiversity, and more infiltration of water into soils so that we have better, more resilient farming systems. How can that be achieved? Permaculture is one way. Sheena Shah from Harvesting for Good East Africa joined us to tell us more about what it is and how that impacts farmers. So basically, permaculture is derived from permanent agriculture, and why the name is uh, permaculture, so permanent agriculture. So we're going towards a very, or we're designing towards a very resilient system. And basically, it's based on ethics and principles that can be applied in many um, contexts around the globe. And it's a design methodology that walks you through the process of designing in harmony with a natural landscape, with and also with an existing community. So you're really looking at the needs of that specific landscape and community and the people around to be able to design something that's going to work for them. I think that's what makes it so unique is that every design is very different um, and for the people. So it, it, it stands out as something that works. Where again, we talked a little bit about biodiversity there in the intro, and we're working towards a very robust, uh, diverse, and resilient system we often see one crop that's a monoculture system. And that system has failed us because we're basically depleting soils and landscapes over time. Uh, there's a lack of biodiversity and we're not holding water in the ground. And that, that, is, that kind of funnels through all the climatic factors that we're seeing that are resulting to really poor health in, in plants. And um, also when we look at farmers' livelihoods, when they just grow one crop, um, and there's a pest in that whole system, we're basically seeing a failed crop for that entire season. So there's a failed livelihood there. And also uh, the, the soil health is very poor in that, in that kind of um, context. And a permaculture system, we're, we're growing for biodiversity. So we're we are basically mimicking nature's patterns. As I mentioned there, we're, we're using this methodology that, that can be used in any context. But we are really, really reading the landscape, where the wind comes from, the sun comes from, um, and, and how the water flows into the, in, in that particular piece of land and putting a design in place that will also help soil health. So when we talk about regenerative systems, we're really building soil health and that holds water for us. We're building this life to be able to give us quality food and um, just like how we feed our bodies with good food um, is what we have to do with the plants. It's like we're feeding the soil. Uh, it's the very basis of very good food production and so if we're able to use a, a permaculture in the right kind of way, and we have a toolkit in front of us, um, we can actually bring streams and, and, and um, water sources back just by planting enough trees, the right kind of plants, um, and see a very a, a difference in that landscape when we've used these practices from this, from this particular toolkit. Improving the livelihoods of farmers, building soil health, and increasing biodiversity sounds good. 
But what does that look like in practice? Sheena tells us how Harvesting for Good East Africa is working with people to use permaculture principles on their land. Our role was really to educate uh, farmers and individuals and uh, people that were interested to dive into this topic. And so we saw a huge interest um, just with anyone walking in there and saying, how can I grow enough food or what is soil health or what are the amendments like composting or using, uh, you know, amendments that will actually improve soil health. And so we started to basically um, work with these individuals in different specialized courses and they'd come out and they'd train with us and we got scholarship funds to bring farmers on the courses. Uh, and that kind of drove more and more interest in this topic that's, that's Sounds technical, but really using the traditional systems uh, that were actually practiced a long time ago. And it just essentially is a reminder to be able to use some of this. And so I basically started using the same um, ethos in, in the main mission was to actually empower these individuals and these farmers um, to educate them, to actually dive into very practical workshops where they would see it and be able to uh, use that where they were to be able to document that, uh, to get enough data collection that it was actually working in the, they were in a small space. And so at Harvesting for Good East Africa, we're basically working with homeowners and um, businesses and taking these individuals through these, these workshops or training from the very get-go in just improving the landscape by using some of these principles within the permaculture and biointensive farming methods. And we're seeing a lot of interest now and, and young people are coming to the fold. Um, and we talk a little bit about enterprise in there as well, like how can you create a value-added product working with a, with a community? And so we've, we've you know, worked with coffee farmers and also with farmers that were growing a certain type of aloe or um, something that was adding value to be able to sustain a livelihood and to also give them the opportunity to uh, take it forward, to spread the word, to say that it's actually working. In a, and then they were achieving security by many different, by growing many different crops in one area. So Lara, Sheena's explained how permaculture works on an individual basis, with farmers developing ways to mimic natural systems on their land to improve food systems. Is it just about training individual farmers or is there a wider picture? It's not at all about just training and helping individual farmers. Um, of course, farmers have a key role to play in the economy and they are very much affected by the effects of climate change. But we are in need of system solutions and we cannot put all the pressure on the individual farmers and especially not on the smallholder farmers. Uh, we need to zoom out and redesign the system from the outset, addressing the root causes of our global challenges in agriculture and in our food systems. Yes, yeah, surely a part of the, of the solution is facilitating farmers the knowledge, the tools, the means, and obviously the funds uh, to pursue regenerative agriculture practices. And Sina just mentioned, I think, some of the benefits of, of this great approach, value added for the community, how it empowers farmers to deliver the solutions. But in order to redesign uh, the whole system, we also need the big players uh, to take part in this. And these are policymakers and businesses that through their work, they also have um, an impact on the lives of many farmers and our food. Great. Well, let's hear from another one of those big businesses um, and go back to Danone's One Planet Advocacy lead, Jeanette Coombs-Leneau, um, who's going to speak about why regenerative food production practices are not only good for the planet, but for business too. 
for Denon, agriculture represents about two thirds of our carbon footprint and 90% of our water footprint. So it's really where a lot of our, uh, our environmental impact is. But the thing is that, you know, it can be a problem and it can also be a solution to these challenges through regenerative practices like the ones we've been talking about by reducing tillage, by using more cover crops. Um, and so we've really embraced this model. In fact, we announced uh, that we were really focusing on regenerative agriculture um, in 2017, just after I joined Danone. Well, first of all, we, we, um, we have what we call a frame of action at Danone called One Planet, One Health. And this is, this is really, really explaining our, our conviction that the health of the planet and health of people are deeply intertwined. And we're really designing our business to help protect and nurture both. So when you talk about regenerative food production, that's really a key way you deliver on that promise to protect and nourish One Planet, One Health. But it's definitely a business decision too. Um, you, the first thing you have to think about as a business is resilience in your, in your supply chain. And as we see more and more the effects of climate change, as we see more water scarcity, one third of soils roughly worldwide are degraded. Um, that's going to have an impact on the ability of companies like Danone to source our ingredients. So when we invest in regenerative agriculture and supply chain, we're really investing in the resilience of our supply chain. For a company as large as Danone, being able to scale regenerative practices is crucial. As Jeanette explained, resilience makes good business sense, as well as protecting the planet and its people. Focusing on regenerative agriculture also helps the company engage with its customers, who increasingly want to know more about where their food comes from. Consumers are absolutely critical to scaling this and really transforming the food system and, and, and driving demand. And there's a lot of opportunity and possibility because they're more and more interested in, uh, in, in, in foods and food and beverages that can have a positive impact. Um, what's interesting about regenerative agriculture is that there's no one dominant label like you know there, there is with organic where, where consumers can immediately recognize uh, so, so there's a big opportunity, you know, to, to engage them in a different way. And I think regenerative agriculture is so powerful. It's a toolbox to engage consumers. The role of consumers matters, particularly when it comes to driving demand. But what really makes a difference is a systemic change. As Jeanette explains, no matter how big a company is, to scale up, it's essential for companies like Danone to collaborate with other businesses and policymakers. Yeah, I think it's it's a responsibility and it's also an opportunity. I mean, I think these are we're building the business models of tomorrow. We're building the food system of tomorrow. So, um, so it, it's absolutely critical to scale, as you were saying. And and of course, the thing about systems is that no one company, no matter how big it is, can drive systemic change on its own. So we're really putting collaboration at the center of our approach to to bring scale, and that includes includes with other companies. So we have, um, we created a couple of coalitions, actually. We have a coalition called Farming for Generations that's really unique because it brings together um, world-leading experts on, you know, every part of the dairy uh, value chain. So animal welfare, animal health, crop nutrition, um, to try to build really the, the best-in-class 
practices that then we can share uh, across our, our our value chain. And then we have another coalition that we that we created called One Planet Business for Biodiversity that brings together companies from different sectors, from beauty, fashion, food, um, all with agricultural supply chains. And the idea is really to 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 own and to to uh, lean into the business the role business plays in protecting and strengthening biodiversity. And a fundamental pillar of this is regenerative agriculture. So really new forms of cooperation within the private sector are critical. I mentioned, you know, we need we need experts. We need the world's leading experts. We need Ellen MacArthur Foundation. We need we need WWF in France. Um, and then the other the other key player in this, of course, is the public sector. The public sector has a, an enormous role in in shaping the agricultural systems uh, in the world. And what's really I'd say encouraging is that as companies like Danan, but we're certainly not the only one, there's more and more companies that are, are focusing on this as a model as we're scaling, as we're, as we're ramping up regenerative agriculture programs, you have on the other side, really a growing interest within the public sector in this model and how you can use regenerative agriculture to, uh, to uh, deliver on some of the climate goals, to uh, build sustainable food systems. It's great to hear that a company as big as Danone are keen to scale up their regenerative agriculture practices. As Jeanette said, collaboration with policymakers and other businesses is an important part of that. Laura, a few weeks ago, we heard from our colleague Joss about the launch of the Universal Policy Goals for a Circular Economy. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about how they're designed to help the kind of collaboration Jeanette's talking about here? Of course. Um, so, yeah, as you said, uh, some weeks ago, we published our paper called Universal Circular Economy Policy Goals, in which we provide five policy goals that provide a framework for national governments, cities, um, businesses to set up uh, a transition from a linear to a circular economy. And one of them, uh, number five, is collaboration for systems change, which reflects exactly the collaboration that Jeanette just mentioned. We need collaboration among businesses and we also need collaboration between the private and the public sector. Uh, These goals um, set up a common direction of travel and help align ambitions between private and public actors. Um, the, The report also provides some examples, so if you are interested in finding out more about this, I recommend checking our website where we have more about this. Great. And you can also listen back to the podcast um, on wherever you're listening to this now. Let's move to Brazil now and to its most populated city, Sao Paulo, where policy is already helping to adopt the secular economy. Our final guest today is Nicole Gobeth, General Manager for Connect the Dots, an initiative that promotes sustainable land development in Sao Paulo's rural areas by strengthening the regenerative agriculture of small holdings and connecting them with the urban area. As part of this, the region aims to reduce its carbon footprint by using a circular economy to promote short circuits with, it, with local markets. Nicole began by giving us an overview of what Sao Paulo is like and why it's looking to develop better food systems. Okay, Sao Paulo is twice the size of New York City and has a population that is 40% larger. So its rural area, which represents a third part of the total municipality, it's a complex territory. It has pressure from real estate expansion and irregular land squatting, creating an an, an unorganized land use mosaic. This rural mosaic contains the main water reservoirs that supply water 
to a population of over 5 million people. So the city is working to improve the economic opportunities linked to the agriculture value chain that will enable territorial development while conciliating conservation as well. Uh, the goals are not only targeted to those involved directly uh, in food production, but with everyone along the chain involved somehow to a rural activity. I mean, uh, tourism, street fairs and markets, restaurants and so on. And uh, for that, we designed a series of initiatives that address different publics simultaneously. So there is an extension program where a field team provides technical assistance to producers. There's another team working to promote the value chain downstreams, working to facilitate the entrance of those producers uh, into markets. And we also have a team collecting data to help us guide and support new public policies for the city. Okay, so Laura, how does Connect the Dots contribute to this idea of regenerative agriculture? Well, they do it through three main pillars. They strengthen agriculture and food production. They do this by capacity building, technical assistance that they provide to farmers uh, on specifically regenerative agriculture practices. They also strengthen the value change and they do this by trying to foster local markets, uh, shorter supply change. Uh, and the third pillar really is collecting data to have a base to show the city hall and also like build the policies around it that are needed to kind of scale these practices. That all sounds great. Let's hear from Nicole about what's next for the Connect the Dots initiative. Sao Paulo won the, the, the Majors Challenge Prize from Bloomberg Philanthropies uh, with the premise to promote the sustainable development of Sao Paulo's rural areas, improving their connection with the urban environment. The main objective is to consolidate the rural area with its singularities, unlocking uh, its economical potential through the implementation of agricultural and regenerative agriculture, rural tourism and other sustainable uh, practices. This is the main idea of the, the Connect the Dots initiative. Uh, Connect the Dots uh, is is exactly doing what it means by connecting various activities within the municipality in a circular economy structure, reducing waste and transforming byproducts, and by stimulating short distance commercial routes that also helps local production trade. This also uh, has a positive impact because it ends up reducing the carbon footprint. But there is still space to connect and consolidate the, the idea of circular economy. What we have done uh, so far, it's a kind of pilot that shows us that it's possible. And now it's time to scale and speed it to all city. For that, the city hall is looking for new partners and funds to scale this initiative to all city and transforming its potentialities in, in public policies. Sao Paulo is building a more sustainable environment with regenerative practices and also contributing to reducing the carbon footprint through the promoting of short circuits with local markets, including all them in a circular economy. 
And, and the idea here is to scale these initiatives to show to other cities that it's possible to replicate its model with gains uh, for everyone involved. So Laura, what are your main takeaways from this episode? This was a great session. I think my main takeaways are that regenerative agriculture practices are relevant everywhere in the world and they look different wherever you are. It's happening now and it's an opportunity for agriculture and food systems to move from being major contributors to climate change to being major actors in the solutions to help us restore biodiversity, improve the health of our soil and also to improve farmers' livelihoods. And also, this is not just a societal and environmental mental opportunity. This is also a business opportunity. And let me finish by just saying one sentence that Jeanette mentioned before, which is when we invest in regenerative agriculture, we are really investing in the resilience of our supply chain. Thanks, Laura. There's lots to inspire us there. That's all for this podcast. If you want to find out more, you can visit the Ellen MacArthur Foundation website. Please subscribe to our podcast and like, rate and share all those good things. We'll see you next time on the Circular Economy Show podcast by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Thanks for listening to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation Circular Economy podcast. Don't forget to share, rate and subscribe.